And he said, what are you going to preach on? Is it grace again? <laughs> yeah? And there's one other person who will remain nameless who said, what are you preaching on? Grace said, well, you'll have something new, won't you? 30 years of preaching on grace. What are you going to say that's different? So I was not keen at all. Yeah? And what was also um, on my heart, and it's been studying about, is that I wanted to get back to basics. And what does Jesus teach about? You know something? Jesus never taught about grace. So I'm in a real quandary. I didn't reply to Christian for at least over a week. And that's, you know, even longer than normal, isn't it? Probably nearly two weeks. But this is what John, the disciple John, right in the introduction of, uh, of his gospel, says about Jesus. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I thought, wow, we might not teach on it, but that's where it comes from. And then I searched where Christian had got the title from, and it comes from 2 Peter 3, 18. And it says, Peter saying, Rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And when you look into this, this is the last you know, words that are recorded that Peter said. He's at the end of his life. And this is the message he wants to get out of all his experience, all he knows. He wants the church to know that they should grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, if he thought it was that important, I'm going to preach it again. So, Phil, this is the remix, right? <laughs> Not the repeat, it's a remix, right? Now, here, Peter says, this is his summary of what's important. And he says, knowledge and grace. And the theologian says he deliberately put those two words together. Now, um, grace, said before, can be summarized as this, that God's riches at Christ's expense. The word grace, he comes from charis, and it means unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. And that's come from God through Jesus. But it's linked to this word, knowledge. And it's the word Greek, gnosis. It's got an S on the end, and that's important. Because that knowledge means not just learning and knowing something in your brain, it means experiencing. If it was just learning on its own, he would have used the word nosy, which doesn't have the S. And he deliberately used the word experience there, because they go together. We can experience God because of what Jesus has done for us. This is more than a head knowledge of believing he was a historical figure or even believing a historical figure that died and rose again and we ought to study him and know him that way. This is knowing him and experiencing because of his grace. And that's what I preached on last time. And I went through that there was the barrier that was sin that stopped us getting to God and stopped us having that relationship. And Paul nicked my sermon from that time when he talked about communion, and that Jesus came and he removed that barrier by his death on the cross. And that's why we have God's riches as his expense. Now, if you want to know more about that, you'll have to look Palm Sunday up on YouTube, and you will be the one of three people that have viewed it. 
It might say 59 on there, but remember, 56 of them are me. <laughs> and when I did look, Kate Motley had something like 500,000, and Alison Bates had 143. And she's much more righteous than me, so 143 genuine ones. But if you want to know more, look at it then. Because I want to say about something else. Because, yeah, that's what Jesus has done for us, and that's what Peter's saying about his grace. But if you look at the big picture of the Bible, there is more to it than us growing in that awareness of what Jesus has done for us and that relationship. Because um, Paul, he tells the Colossians this, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you will have the right response for everyone. So, same word, charis, and he's saying how we should be gracious in what we say. And in Ephesians, I uh, say the message to the Ephesian church, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So I think there's more to growing in grace than just that knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, that experience. I think there's a response that we should be doing. Because, I mean, James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And Jesus, you know, talks about the, you know, the, the house on the rock, the person who applied his teaching to him and withstood the, the, the storms. So we need to grow in grace ourselves. We need to do something about it. And that's what I'm going to concentrate on. And you'll be pleased to know it's a three-point sermon. There might be long points, but a three-point sermon. One why and two hows, right? Now, one reason why growing in grace is important, it helps us to choose the right path. And it's why Paul, as an ex-Pharisee, somebody who was well into the law, was so, uh, so keen and thought it was so important that he speaks about grace in all his letters. It's so vital for Christians. And he keeps emphasizing it. Because he knew that the law led to sin and death. Didn't get you into that relationship with God. And he'd experienced that encounter, that experience with Jesus, and he knew that's what was important. And that's why he's so hot on it. And we might not understand, you know, why he says, you know, you can't go back to circumcision. Shouldn't be doing that, that some people were saying. Because we don't talk about that, mainly because, you know, men, we get all itchy at that point, don't we, when it, the word is mentioned. We don't like it being mentioned. But he was so concerned that people wouldn't go back to religion and the law. Peter the same. That's why he starts with rather. He says, uh, rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because his book is about people who are following false teachers. So his last words is, don't go astray. If you go back into religion and law, you're going to lose what God wants for you. You've got to concentrate on growing in the grace and knowledge. Now, what stirred me up when I was researching into this, you get all the commentaries, and I was looking for teaching on it, and a lot of the people were saying it was all knowledge, head knowledge about it. 
It was things like, if you want to grow in grace, you must study Jesus' teaching more. You must pray more. You must do more things in church. And it did add, and you must have communion. It was all the musts we do. Now, that's not bad on its own. But we need to remember, it's not what we do. It's who we are. It's what Jesus has done for us and what he's made us. So I was stirred up about that. And it's obviously what Peter and Paul were. They wanted people to concentrate on grace, so they took the right path. But I want to tell you, when I'm not being gracious... I take the wrong path. I have physically done this. Uh, Just before Easter, I go uh, walking with uh, uh, myself and my wife, Lisa, we go walking with a couple, and we'd arrange to do the Daffodil Trail. Before next Easter next year, really advise you to do it. It's a long trail, it's four hours. We haven't got that much time, so they've asked me to shorten it to two hours because they've got to an appointment that evening. So I'm under pressure that I've got to get them back to Cheltenham in time. And when I'm under pressure, I'm less gracious. Yeah? Believe it or not, so are you. Yeah? Yeah? I'm under pressure. We're doing this walk, and it's all pretty, so we've stopped to look at things. So I'm already thinking we haven't got enough time. And then we come across a party of ramblers. Now, there's only about eight of them, but... um, You have to get past them. And then we have modern parents in front, yeah? And they've got a a little two, three-year-old, yeah? I hope you're a modern parent, Nathan, yeah? And they're coming to a style, and the kid wants to do the style. And he's saying, well, that's quite right. They've got to enjoy the countryside. So he spends several minutes looking at the style. He gets on the style and sits on the top for two, three minutes. And the parents are oblivious, as you know, at least 10 people waiting to go on the stile. So steam is coming out. <laughs> I offered, I told my wife, do they, do, shall I go give them 30 odd years of experience in teaching? <laughs> Apparently, that would not be a wise thing to do. The next stile, the same thing happens. <laughs> There's a third style. The same thing happens again. And after that style, there's a junction in the paths. You could go left or you could go right. I went right because I'm able to get past them. Would have been better if I'd gone left. My lack of grace caused me physically to go wrong. Now, spiritually, it happens as well, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirits. Do not extinguish the spirit. And I do that when I center on myself, yeah? When I'm not looking at others. My relationship and my intunedness, this is not a word, is it? I become less tuned into the Holy Spirit when I'm centered on myself. And when I'm centered on myself, I'm lacking grace. I've been away for a few days on my own, Yeah? Wonderful time cycling, bodyboarding in the nice weather. I come back, you know, I've had my meals any time I want. I've had one plate to clean up. You come back to a family, it's very different, yeah? I'm easy to be gracious when I'm on my own, doing what I want, yeah? But more difficult 
So why it's important is that when we grow on grace, we make the right paths, make the right decisions because we're more in tune with God. We're not going off on false things. Yeah? Right. Two main ways of um, how we can grow in grace. And I've called the first one, Grace is Like Front Crawl. So I told you it was a remix. I've never heard that in a grace sermon before. Grace is like front crawl. Now, one of the pleasures of being retired, I've done more exercise. And I go swimming. And I can swim breaststroke easily. My front crawl is not so good. And I thought, I want to improve my front crawl. Now, I have all the head knowledge you can have on swimming front crawl. Seriously, I was a swimming teacher before I was a normal teacher. I've taught teachers how to teach swimming. At one point, I'd read every single book there was on teaching. I can say that because I was, uh, could go to the Bodleian Library in Oxford, which I think they have every book that's been published. And I had to do research, and I did it, uh, a dissertation on the psychology of learning to swim. So my head knowledge is good. Do you think that helps me that much? My front crawl's getting better. I've gone from one length, I can now do 20, 30 lengths. How do you think I've managed it? Practice. Doing it is doing it. If we want to grow in grace, we just do it more. Uh, Paul said in Galatians, take the opportunities to do good especially in the household of faith. Sometimes, you know, I like being practical, giving you, saying what the opportunities could be. I'm not going to. Because my experience is, when you ask God for opportunities, he gives you them. Now, I've got a reputation, quite undeserved, I think, of not being very good with mobile phones. <laughs> That's why Christian gets very frustrated when he gets a reply two weeks later. It's not my fault. I switch it, you know, the, the sound off on a Sunday morning. And I don't get to switch it back on till Thursday or Friday. <laughs> Literally this morning, I thought, where's my phone? It's still in my, my bike bag from yesterday. Yeah, I'm not very good. I've discovered why. It's my age. Because <laughs> I was a teenager in the, in the 1970s, and phones weren't around then. Well, mobile phones. And youngsters, you have it so good having a mobile phone. Because when I was, if you liked somebody, you'd have to ring them up on the normal phone, yeah? And there was a one in four, one in five chance you'd either get the dad, the mother, the older brother, or even worse, the younger sister who sniggers down the phone, yeah? Yeah? I never had tell him I'm out but it's not so good. So I don't like phones that much. And when I was um, a quantity surveyor, which I did when, when I was 18, before I went into teaching, I um, had a message from a partner, can you ring up all these building companies? And they're one of the most important building companies in the country, and you've got to speak to this chief quantity surveyor there and tell him there's a mistake, and this is a correction. So I went through one switchboard, second switchboard, a secretary, finally got to the person. And I had to do this about six, seven times. At the end of it, I put the phone down and I said, God, I've asked you, you know, to help me with this. I need to get better at using a phone, yeah? But 
Five minutes later, the phone went again. The same partner needed to ring them all back up. There's another correction. Because my experience is if you cry out to God, he helps you. So that's why grace is like front four. My second way is growing in grace is like skiing. Now, when I was about, um, I'd been teaching a couple, about a year, and I went on a ski trip, paid to go with the kids, and I learned to ski. Badly. My excuse, and it is a good excuse, is the teaching was rubbish, yeah? And so I was not a very good skier. A year later, I went on a teacher's trip, where you paid a bit of money, looked at hotels, and you got a couple of days skiing. And on that second day of skiing, I'm with just the four of us left. Everybody else doesn't want to ski anymore, or we've gone off on their own. And the other three people, knowing I was the weakest, said to me, go right after the ski guide. Stay in her tracks. Turn when she's turning. And in one afternoon, I learned more to how to ski and got better from imitating somebody. Paul says, imitate me. Yeah? We learn from other people. Um, myself, I'm a grumpy old man. Yeah? And I've been a grumpy old man for at least 40 years. And, um, you know, I learned to be gracious in old age from our late friend Ruth Parr. Yeah? And uh, in our last days, gracious. I thought in the church, I would like to say we've got two really gracious people as our pastors. Yeah? You know? What's Angie's response to everything? It's, oh, bless. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. When they're new in the job, <laughs> that's why they've got the grace at the moment. But aren't they good? We can imitate them. Yeah? I think, yeah, they're good role models. There's somebody even better to imitate. Because I might have said Jesus never taught about grace, but he taught an awful lot about love and how we should act in love. And this is what he had to say in Luke 6, 32 to 36. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Christians spoke about compassion last week. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, was the enemy of people. And he spoke, invited him, said, I'm coming to your house for tea. Yeah? It's easy at times to think and, you know, be gracious to people who are gracious. When I'm on my bike... And somebody gives me lots of space, I put my hand up and say thank you. 
I'd like to say I have the same reaction when they come close and nearly knock me off the bike, but I don't, yeah? We don't have many enemies. We might sing, we'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies, and I'm looking around, have I really got this many enemies in the room, yeah? We don't have many enemies. But this is what Jesus said in the enemies, and if you think what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, well, wouldn't that be a thing? Wouldn't be, could you be able to do that? if you're Ukrainian, to have that love for an enemy soldier. But Jesus showed love and compassion didn't he, to the centurion, a servant was ill, yeah, to Zacchaeus. And so there is that extra step. Now, I said we haven't got that many enemies, but we've got people who have totally different opinions that we might have. And if you think what's going on in the States at the moment with the pro-life um, versus pro-choice. Some of the things which are said or actions which are done are not showing grace and not showing love. And, you know, in society at the moment, you know, people have issues with, you know, uh, with gender identification, sexuality, which might be very different to what we think. But we need to show grace and love. I was very impressed, you know, Justin Welby, at Easter time, spoke up about sending refugees to Rwanda. And the, 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 what came back, you know, from the government was not very nice of it to him, I didn't think. And he didn't respond, you know, to them at all. His job is to show lead on moral leadership in the country. That's why he's the Archbishop of Canterbury. He didn't say, that's my job. I've got morals. He just didn't say anything. He left it at that. And at times, we can be very keen on what we think is right. But we've got to remember what is right as we love and we show grace. So we need to take those opportunities to demonstrate it and learn from others. Last time I preached, I had a top 10 sermon illustration. Keith had got in the top 10. This week, I have a lady called Daniel Strickland. And this is a repeat, because I heard this about 14, 15 years ago. I've definitely used it in two sermons, and I'm going to use it again for myself, because I'm still not very good at this. Daniel Strickland, as a, a very young, you know, uh, I think she was 18, 20, something like that, in that type of age, past being, just past being a student, I think, was in uh, Russia, just after it had become, uh, become Russia, just after the communism had stopped in the early 1990s, I would have thought. And she's there with the Salvation Army in Moscow. And they get a message from the general of the Salvation Army in the Crimea. This comes as a surprise to them, because there is no Salvation Army in the Crimea. There's no Salvation Army. No, it was not around in Soviet times. It had been so totally suppressed. So they send Danielle, as a young, you know, young lady, to travel all by train with an interpreter to go find out what's going on. And she gets there. She meets this old man and his wife. And yeah, he was the general of the Salvation Army in Crimea. And he'd come through all Soviet times and kept the faith and kept people going. 
And for a day, she just heard these marvelous testimonies of God being at work and how God had honored them and supported them. And she gets back on the train and she's got this interpreter who is not a Christian. And she thought, this is my opportunity. She's just had a day of hearing all about God, yeah? So I'll ask her what she thinks. And he said, what did you think of that? And the interpreter said, that's amazing. So she thinks she's in there. What's so amazing? Think it would be the miracles and the testimonies. Sorry, I get emotional. And she said, it's the way he treats his wife. Because you don't understand Russian men and Russian husbands. He shows so much honor and love to his wife. You see, I get it wrong the most at home. Yeah, it's easy to be gracious, you know, when you're smiling at me here, yeah? But when you're under pressure at home and when you're grumpy, that's when we can fail it, yeah? But in this case as well, remember, it's not what we say, it's how we show it. And this, for this young interpreter, is what she saw grace in action. And that's how we grow in grace, by putting it into action. I'm going to pray in a moment, so that's the hint for the band, who I forgot to give a prompt to. And um, There's always a ministry time at the end. What's been on my mind, it's been on my mind for several days, if you watch the repair shop, you know, they bring in, I don't watch it that often, but um, it was on telly when I, when I was away, and uh, they bring in something that means something, that's all damaged, and they put it good, yeah? So I remember at Christmas time, some, you know, clockwork toy, and it is so good. We're in God's repair shop. And if you need help with that today, you know, when we worship in a few moments, just come to the front and people will pray for you. It might be because you're feeling guilty. It might be because you're not well. It might be because you've just lost your way and you need to come back to that experience and know that love of God. And if that's you today, feel free to respond as we can worship. And... Um, I want to say the grace in a moment, but I'm going to pray it first, and you get in the, the extended edition as I pray, and then we'll pray the normal 45 edition, right? So this is the long play. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means, may we know what Jesus has done for us by his death on that cross. May we know what he achieved by taking away our sins, the power of his resurrection. May the love of God, may we know that we are children of God. We have been given the privilege of calling him Father. We get to experience him because of Jesus. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us live our lives to guide us, to show love for others, and to grow in grace. Be with us all forevermore, evermore, ever growing, evermore grace in our lives.